Say, say, this is my Bible. It is word of truth. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can. I'm a believer and not a doubter. I'm a doer and not just a hearer. I am humble before the Lord. I am obedient to the Lord. I am mature in the Lord. I'm enthusiastic about the Lord. I know that faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Amen. Our scripture text again comes from the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 9, verse 1, New King James Version. And the Bible says, so God blessed Noah. Somebody say blessed. God blessed Noah and his sons. Y'all remember who his sons are? He had four sons, right? Cush, uh-huh, Mizraim, Push, and Canaan. Amen? So it's good for us to always remember who those sons are because as we continue our lesson and we connect dots, we go back to those sources. Amen? Well, you may be seated. You may be seated. As I told you earlier that, you know, a lot of our study for this particular series has come out of the original African Heritage Study Bible. Uh, and I mentioned that I have many study tools that I've used over the years. But for this particular series, I decided to use this one versus some of the other ones and, and then bounce it off some things that the Lord has revealed to me. Amen? Well, today this is going to be our fifth sermon in this series that we have entitled, We are in the blessing. Amen? Y'all remember that? It says, now, we allow this to serve now as a continuation of uh, our African-American history or Black History Month. And I've said, and I keep saying, that uh, as Americans, we generally began African-American history with slavery. But uh, as Christians and, and children of God, uh, African history began with creation and the in introduction of mankind into the earth. You know, the Bible says that the Lord planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And, 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 and it goes on to talk about that Eden flows from the region of the Blue Nile River to the White Nile River over to the Tigris-Euphrates River. And so it flowed from the land as it was known back then as Cush, which is Ethiopia, eastward to Assyria, which we know now as modern-day Iraq. So my objective has simply been to just say we are in the blessing. Now, uh, to tell you why, I said that in our culture, many of our young people are being discouraged and dissuaded uh, not to get into this course of life or religion that we may call Christianity. Uh, because uh, it is a religion they believe that is used to keep us as a people in a docile and subjugated uh, state of mind. You know, and I looked up and looked back into some of my records, and I remember uh, the first time I saw that word was in the EPR, and I didn't know what subjugated means. Uh, one of my supervisors said, you know, I was a training instructor. I just made Master Sergeant, and he said, you know, Master Sergeant Bolden tirelessly subjugated himself to his work. I said, what that mean? And I looked it up, and basically he was saying I was a slave to my job. And, and apparently it didn't hurt me. I got promoted. But I thought it was different that he would call me a slave to my job. So what I'm trying to get us to see, we can't serve God with a slave 
mentality. Most of this thinking was perpetuated by an erroneous teaching called the Hermetic Curse. Somebody say Hermetic Curse. Which alleged that when Noah cursed Ham's son Canaan, the descendants of Ham were cursed and became what color? Black. Y'all ain't got to be scared to say it. Black. Somebody taught that. Amen? And, and, and which over the years was used uh, by many as justification for the enslavement of millions of black people because they were presented as inferior, inhumane, and relegated to a life of servitude. Now, I know the Bible is God's holy word. It's multicultural and written for all mankind because we teach that Jesus died for everybody. Amen? But I did say with an exception in this series, I am particularly highlighting the descendants of who? Because that's the one they say was cursed. And I'm just trying to show that somebody lied to us because I'm finding that we were blessed. Amen? And so we're going to talk about that, not from a racist viewpoint, but from a viewpoint of racial pluralism, multiculturalism, and inclusiveness. Because we are in the, I've said oftentimes, you know, uh, we read God's word, and as we read the stories in the Bible, we form mental pictures in our mind. And because for most of us, our social engineering and our Eurocentric viewpoint of the Bible, we assume that most of the characters of note, of influence, of prominence are white. Because most of the art, most of the movies that are based on biblical story rarely, I said not all time, but rarely cast Ham's descendants in a positive and powerful light. Now last week we took a look at Moses and how he intermingled, interrelated, uh, uh, with Ham's descendants, and today we're going to continue with Moses' story for a little while longer. Now, at this point, Moses had, and, and Aaron had persistently gone before Pharaoh, requesting that he let God's people go. And after the final plague of death of the firstborn child in Egypt, Pharaoh hastily let the children go. Now, as they left, the Egyptians blessed them. They blessed them with jewels of silver and gold and, and fine linen. And we know the Egyptians have some fine linen. Amen. I told you that. You know, your, your high-thread cotton come from Egypt. And, and, and in the Exodus, we find in Exodus chapter 12, verse 38, it says that a mixed multitude, somebody say a mixed multitude, a mixed multitude went out with them also, along with their flocks and their herds and a great number of livestock. In that mixed multitude, because they had been there for over 430-some years, and before, you know, Pharaoh came on that didn't know Joseph, they got along pretty good. And Egypt was the most powerful nation in the world at the time, so they had other people in captivity too in bondage. So when people got free, they left as a mix. And what I'm trying to just say in a nice way, some of Ham's kids was in that multitude. That made it a mixed multitude. 
And so after 430 years of mingling, that now are free, and there are these people that are now coming out of captivity, and they're being led by Moses. And what I want you to see today as we go to Genesis, uh, Exodus, excuse me, chapter 18. When they had gone out into the wilderness, Moses' father-in-law heard what God had done for Moses and the people. So he came to Moses in the wilderness to bring Moses' wife, and we learned about her last week, right? We said his brother and sister got upset because she was an Ethiopian. Amen. And her two sons back to Moses. So Moses goes through this, you know, meet and greet with his father-in-law, and they were respectful. And after they have this greeting, after they have this meeting, they end up in Moses' tent, him and his father-in-law, naming Jephro. Some Bible say rule. And, and I want you to see the influence that this man had on Moses, his father-in-law. You know, every now and then, son-in-laws, if you got a good father-in-law, y'all listen to him. Amen. Amen. If he got a little wisdom, he knows some things. There's nothing wrong with listening to him father-in-law. And so look at this. When we look at this in, in Exodus chapter 18, you know, in verse 8, it says, Moses told his father-in-law everything, somebody say everything, everything the Lord had done to Pharaoh and Egypt on behalf of Israel. He also told him about the hardship that they had experienced along the way and how the Lord had rescued, somebody say rescued, rescued him Rescue his people from all their trouble. Now, in Moses' testimony, I'm sure he talks about, you know, we went to Pharaoh ten times before he let us go. Then once he let us go, man, he followed us with his army. But when we went into the Red Sea, God parted it, and guess what? His army got He's telling his father-in-law the story. Then we got into the wilderness. We was attacked from behind by the Amalekites, but the Lord protected us even when we didn't have a standing army. He's talking and testifying to his father-in-law. Telling him about all the troubles and all the things they had gone through. And the Bible says in verse 9 that Jephro was delighted when he heard about all the good things the Lord had done for Moses as he rescued them from the land of the Egyptians. Then look what this father-in-law said. Praise the so obviously Moses' father-in-law had some connection to God. Maybe he knew the same God that Moses knew. That's why Moses didn't have no problem marrying his, his daughter. That's why Moses didn't have no problem entertaining him and bringing back in him into his tent because he understood that this man was a man of God who knew the same God that so look at this. He says, praise the Lord, Jephro said, for he has rescued you from the Egyptians and from Pharaoh. Yes, he has rescued Israel from the powerful hand of Egypt. Now, let me stop right there. It's a shame to have kids let power went to the head. You know, when Joseph was there, they had power 
and they got along with God's kids. But then a Pharaoh came along that didn't know Joseph, and they let power went to their head. So here we find that Ham's descendants was on the opposite side of God. But now God has delivered them from the powerful hand of Egypt. So Egypt was running things at one time. Before the Roman Empire, that was the Egyptians. Amen. But they were no match for God. And so when it was time for God to deliver his people, he delivered them out of the hand of the most powerful nation in the world at the time. So look what he says in verse 11. He says, I know now that the Lord is greater than all the other gods. Egypt worshipped many. It was a polytheistic system where they worshipped the sun god, the moon god, the god of the sea, land, whatever. They worshipped many gods. There are people today who worship many but we need to make sure that we worship the true end because we got to understand like this man understood that our God is greater than any other because he can rescue you from some things. He said because he rescued his people from the oppression of the proud Egyptians. Now look at this. Jethro, then Jethro, Moses' brother-in-law, brought a burnt offering and offered a sacrifice. And Aaron and all the elders of Israel came out and joined him in a sacrificial meal in the presence of God. Here's one of Black Ham's kids leading the worship service. You know, Aaron already on the team, but they following him. So this proved to me that he was a man of God because if not, Aaron should have followed. Oh, y'all just don't get that. So the point is that this man was a man of influence. And if you don't know and understand that, you would think that people that look like you have no influence in the Bible. But I'm here to tell you that we are in the blessing. We're not going to finish there because look at this in Exodus, same chapter, verse 19. You know, the next day we find Moses was back at work on the job. Moses was a hardworking guy. He was trying to judge all the disputes of the people by himself. And the Bible says his father-in-law saw that. And he concluded that Moses was going to wear himself out along with the people. So he was determined to give Moses some advice. So I want to look and see what advice Black Ham's descendant gave to the deliverer of God's people. Now he's giving advice to someone who's talked to God face to Everybody else has to go through visions and dreams, but God said last week that he talked to Moses face, but he had no problem with Moses taking advice. Yeah. I ain't going to say black hams, but from Jethro. Looked like if God had a problem with that child, he would say, Moses, don't listen to him. He can't give you no advice that's going to make your job easier. But look at this. 
I'm in verse 19 of the same chapter. He says, Jethro, advice. Now listen to me and let me give you a word of advice. And may God be with you. You should continue to be the people's representative before God. Bringing their disputes to him. So the advice is this. Now, Moses, you got to teach them God's decrees. Teach them the rules. Teach them God's laws. And give them instruction. You got to give them the information that they need to follow those rules. Then you got to show them how to conduct their lives. You got to, Moses, you got to teach them how to live what you've been teaching them. You got to live it out in front of them. Now he says the qualifications and the delegation of some of the authority that he's about to give. But you just can't give it to anybody, Moses. He says, but select from all the people some capable. Somebody say capable. Everybody is not capable of leading. Every <laughs> he would have just said, go get anybody. But he said, folk got to be. They got to have the ability to do something. Some folks just don't have that. And if they don't have that ability, don't try to make them something that they are not. Sometimes we as leaders, we get in trouble because we try to make people something that they are. They just don't have the ability. They are not capable. So he says select from all the people capable. Some capable. Honest. Somebody say honest. honest. They got to be truthful. You can't have a team full of liars. Honest men who fear God. You can't go out there and just get a heathen who don't care about you nor God. You got to get somebody who reveres and respects and who hate. In other words, they can't be bought. You can't get somebody who just loves money and people can buy them off and they'll just make rules just to govern the people who pay them. Because y'all going to be able to judge some, some trials. Y'all going to be able to sit over some issues. Y'all going to be able to make some decisions. So you can't be false. Now look at this. Appoint them as leaders over the groups of 1,150 and 10. That's was the qualification, and he gave them some authority as he appointed them over the other members of the tribe. Then he talks about their availability. This is where I think a lot of leaders get in trouble right here because we don't understand available. Well, let me just read what he said. They should all, somebody say always. Now, that's, a, that's an absolute. I don't know why Moses would use an absolute right there because we ain't always, but we should at least act like we always or be close to being always. We may be absent sometime as a leader, but he said that they should always be available to solve the people's common disputes. Man, how are you going to be a leader? Can't nobody find you. You got to be a I'm, not I'm talking to Moses folk right here. He said, tell them that they got to be, a somebody say available. You got to be available. Sheep have issues. Leaders got to be a, handle just the common disputes. You ain't got to handle the big stuff. Just the 
but have them bring the major cases to you. Let the leaders decide the smaller matters themselves. They will help you carry the load, making the task easier for you. Man, that sounds so nice and easy and simple. We just got to be available, handle the small stuff, and then, man, the load get easier. That was his advice. That was his telling them about availability. Then he says in verse 23, some conditions. He wasn't trying to demand that Moses do something. He was just giving them advice. And when people give you advice, you don't have to take it. It's just that. But sometimes if the advice is good, don't let your pride get in the way of good Look at verse 23. He says, if you follow this advice, and if God commands you to do so, so don't, don't forget God, even though I'm giving you some advice, you still consult with Then, so if those conditions, if you follow the advice, and if God commands you to do so, then you will be able to endure the pressures, and all these people will go home in Good God Almighty. Boy, when you can keep the sheep in peace. Woo. Oh, they say all of them. Hey, do they do he did he know what he was saying? Did he know how many folk he had following him? But he said, all these people go home in. Man, after a sermon on Sunday, I just hope y'all go home in. I mean, I just hope you leave here. Go home in. I mean, you done came to church. You done seen the leadership of the church. You done met folk in church. You done fellowship. I just hope you go home in. Man, because if you go home in peace, next week going to be a lot easier for me and the staff. If you go home in... I wasn't supposed to say that, but that's just it. Peace. When the sheep are not at peace, Brother JP, when they don't go home in, that means they leave the hell right here. When they don't go home in, <laughs> let me read on. The application, verse 24. Moses listened to his father-in-law's advice and followed his suggestion. So it's one thing to hear God's word, but it's another thing to follow it. So he said he listened to what was said, then he followed his suggestion. He chose capable men from all over Israel, all the tribes, and appointed them as leaders over the people. He put them in charge of groups of thousands, 150 and 10. Then look at this. Then Moses, then these men were always available to solve the people's common disputes. But the but they brought the major cases to Moses. We're going to see a major case in a minute. But they took care of the smaller matter themselves. Somebody say themselves. Sometimes, you know, the Bible got an answer for us. It says, if you got an issue with your brother, you're supposed to take it to your brother first. There are some things that go on in the church you can handle your... You don't have to go. Just go to the person that you got the issue with and handle it your... Then if you don't get resolution, you go take two or three other folk with you and try to solve it. Then you get it there. Then you bring it to the top and see what happens. 
And I believe a lot of time, if we just go to the person, I'll, that's what the words say. Amen. Now, in Numbers chapter 10, it is about the second year of their departure from Egypt. And the children of Israel were still wandering around in the wilderness, somewhere around the Sinai Peninsula. And Moses had kind of given them marching orders. He broke them up into the tribes and put them in order of their tribe and how they was going to march. But Moses now invites his brother-in-law to help them and be their guide to navigate their way through the wilderness on into the promised land. And he promised him that if you go with us, I would give you a share of the blessing. So somebody need to see that even Moses understood that we were in the... Now, now Hobab looked like he's going to say no here, but Moses is going to persuade him. But when you read on and you see his story and follow his name through the Bible you'll find that he's mentioned and his descendants are mentioned in Judges chapter 116 and then Judges chapter 4.1, which means that his descendants continued to live amongst the Israelites. But here we find Moses inviting him to go along with them as their guide. Everything starts with the invitation. As Christians, we got to see ourselves with an ember. And we need to carry this invitation to those who we want to go along with us on the journey that God has us on. All of you should be God's representative with an invitation in your mouth, in your heart, that you're willing to share with somebody. Say, hey, come along with us, and as a result, you'll be getting the same blessing that we're going to get when it's all said and Done. So look at this, verse 29 says, One day Moses said to his brother-in-law, Hobab, son of Ruel, the Midianite, we are on our way to the place the Lord promised us, the promised land, it's called Canaan land, and just the name Canaan lets you know who was there. For he said, I will give it to you. Come with us, and we will treat you. Now if I was a cursed person, first of all, I shouldn't be your brother-in-law. But then now, you're making me a promise that I'm not inferior to you. You're going to treat me? And all most folks want in America is to be treated. Everybody ought to be treated. He said, for the, for the Lord has promised wonderful blessings for Israel. But Hobab replied, no, I will not go. I must return to my own land and family. Now look at Moses when he made this passionate plea. Please don't leave us, Moses pleaded. Wow. Moses needs the help of one of Ham's kids. You know the places in the wilderness where we should camp? Come be our guide. Be our eyes for us in this wilderness. You navigate this area. You know this area. You know where the water holes are. You know where the pastures are. You know where they think. God's going to lead us on the big thing, but we need you down here for the... You know who the bad folks are. 
so we can go around certain territories so we don't get ambushed again. Be our God. And then he give them a condition. If you do this, we'll share with you, somebody say all. Not some. All the blessings the Lord gives. Somebody needs to say we're in the blessing. Somebody tried to fool us when they told us we was cursed and we weren't part of the of the blessing. Now in Numbers chapter 27, my last turn. This is the difficult case that came before Moses. Here we see Moses having a judge this extremely tough case. And as we look real close into the ancestry of the plaintiffs in the case, you will see that these sisters are connected to Ham's lineage as well as Abraham's lineage by way of Joseph's sons. By way of Joseph's sons. See, most of y'all who were here in the beginning should remember that Joseph married her. And he had how many sons? Two. And before his father died, he adopted both of them. And he told them that they were going to get an inheritance of land when they got to the promised land. You remember I showed you the map? So now their great-great-great-granddaddy dead. And all of a sudden, their daddy dies, and he ain't got nothing but girls. And the law says inheritance can't go to, to girls. So these sisters got together, and they brought their case to Moses. This was a big case because, you know, I'm sure that when they came into the courtroom, was nothing ever Y'all get the picture. And so y'all see these five sisters walking around. Some of them probably look just like, just like some of y'all. They may have a lighter skin tone complexion here and there because people intermingle and mix, and you know, as you mix, you get lighter. Go back and do, I think Candace did her ancestry.com or something like that. And she found out way back then there's some, you know, everybody in, in our, our bloodline didn't come from Africa and not African descent. We found out that we got some European tied up in that thing. But because we probably kept marrying folk that looked like us, our skin tone didn't change that much. But just if we had married on the other side, which is not wrong with that, then each generation, you would have got a little bit. I ain't talking over nobody's head, am I? You got a little bit lighter. You can just experiment with a glass of milk, chocolate milk, white milk. Mix them up. After you mix that first batch, you're going to get a little bit. Now, if that next glass marry chocolate, it's going to stay pretty chocolate. But if that next glass marry lighter, the product that comes from that is going to be but that ancestry go all the way back to the chocolate and the So sometime in the old days, the lighter 
could pass themselves off. It ain't nothing wrong with that. But don't you forget where you. So look at this. In Numbers chapter 27, verse 1, it says, One day a petition, somebody said petition. That's another word said case, was presented by the daughters of Jehoshaphat. Mahala, Noah, Hogla, Milcah, and Terzah. Their father, Jehoshaphat, was a descendant of Hefner. We, we don't, I don't know who is Hefner. We ain't never heard about him, so if you stop there, you ain't going to get no good picture. The son of Gilead. Well, maybe some of y'all done heard about the bomb of... And when you hear that song sung again, you got to know that Gilead got some connection. <laughs> Let me read on. The son of Micaiah. The son of who? Uh-oh, now the picture come into focus. Because we all know who Manasseh is. He's the son of, by that Egyptian, good God Almighty. And his great, 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 great granddaughters finna raise hell in the court of Moses. All because they felt like they were being deprived of some land that they should have inherited because who they daddy was. But because they daddy did not have any, the law said they were just going to be looked over and the next male representative, relative, was going to get their land. And now they're going to be left in poverty with no land. All because they were women. See, women, there's nothing wrong with y'all today standing up for your rights. I, I ain't no hater of you. If you feel like you've been mistreated, stand up for what you think is right. I know people, we got to get used to it. We men got to get used to y'all talking back and, you know, being strong black women, strong white women, strong women in general. We just got to get used to it. All of us ain't used to that because we were brought up when y'all was quiet, told to be quiet, sit over in the corner and play. But now y'all talking back. <laughs> we got to get used to that. But, 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 but that's not wrong. If you got something to say that's true and that's right, you got to talk back. Amen. And if you're married to some nut that don't want to hear you talk back, you need to look into your relationship. Especially if you can speak truth to power. Amen. The days of being barefooted and pregnant are gone. Amen. Y'all can do more than just have babies. God gave you a brain. You can think, and some of y'all can outthink men. So every now and then, you need to be able to plead your. You got to have some facts. You got to have truth on your side. But look here, if you know you're operating in the truth, plead your. Don't let somebody tell you all to just be quiet. No, be quiet long enough. Some of these brothers ain't getting it. And so therefore they just need to be told. Amen. Now I'm not trying to tell ladies your household. I know the order of the family, husband, wife, children. I got that. But that don't mean you're a doormat. That don't mean you're a silent partner. That don't mean you just do laundry. Amen. Cook meals. 
Amen. You didn't go to college just to do laundry. You got a degree in physics. <laughs> you got a brain. Your husband just got a high school education. He ought to come to you for some advice sometime. Now, he ought to be the spiritual head of the house, but just in case he ain't reading and don't understand and you do, you need to teach your children as he wants. I ain't trying to mess up the family. I believe in the family order. Brothers, y'all need to do what you got to do from God's point of view. So these five sisters who had this connection to Joseph, look what happened when they get to the courtroom. These women stood before Moses, Eleazar the priest, the tribal leaders, and the entire community at the entrance of the tabernacle. Man, you know you got all them folks standing there looking at you in a courtroom. You better be ready to plead your case. Amen. You, you can't get in front of all them folks and all of a sudden get quiet. You know you've been praying, sister, you want a seat at the table. I want a seat at the table. And then when you get to the table, you ain't got nothing to say. If you're going to fight for a seat at the table, when you get there with all them men sitting around the table, you better have something to... Let me read on. Let me get back to these sisters. I ain't talking about none of y'all, because all y'all got seats at the table. I know it. <laughs> but just in case you don't, get your stuff together, because one day you may get an opportunity to stand before some men who don't think you belong there. But you got to be able to plead your case. And you got to be able to make a bold argument based upon what you know is true and what you believe. Look at this, verse 3. He sa they said, our father died in the wilderness. They said, but he was not among Korah's followers. You got to know the story to get the me meaning of what they're trying to say. There was a group of people in the wilderness that rebelled against Moses. And when they rebelled against Moses, you know, they had a, this big powwow, and they said, okay, y'all on this side, God's on this side, and we're going to see who win, and God swallowed up that group. Killed them all. They said, hey, when those folks rebelled against Moses, our daddy wasn't in there. He didn't do anything that would prevent us from getting his inheritance. So therefore, don't hold out against us because the other folks fought Moses in the wilderness. He said, who rebelled against the Lord? He died because of his own sin. In other words, he died of his own natural causes. Whatever they were, he didn't die in rebellion. But he had, somebody said, no sons. <laughs> then they say, now look at this. Because he had no sons, why should the name of our father disappear from his clan? Because he had no, somebody said, that's a good question. Then they make the demand on the, on the boys. We don't plead the case. Now we say, look here. Give us property along with the rest of our relatives. Now I can imagine all the men standing here. These guys done lost their mind. They think we finna give this land to them. Man, I'm the next cousin in line. Now I can get my territory. It's gonna be that much bigger. You know, I ain't voting on that. You know, people don't like giving up land. That's why, they, that, that's why they didn't keep the promise and give us the 40 acres. I said this earlier. A lot of you all, and, and me too, would be well off if I had 40 acres. 
I could do a whole lot with 40 acres. You can build a whole lot. I can build Boldenville <laughs> on 40. So they said, give us property along with the rest of our relatives. So look what Moses did. Moses said, man, this is above my pay grade. So these guys can't handle it. This is one of those tough cases that I got to take to the Lord. So look at verse 5. So Moses brought that case before the Lord. And the Lord replied to Moses, the claim of the daughters of Jehovah is legitimate. You must give them a grant of land along with their relatives. Assign them the property that would have gone to them. When God litigated the case and when God looked at it, he ruled in favor of the plaintiffs. He said, them girls right. Moses, them girls are. They got a right to come and stand before you and ask for their land. So now what we need to do is we need to put legislation in place so that when this happened again, no other girl's going to have to go through this. We got to change the law. So look at verse 8. He says, give the following instruction to the people of Israel. If a man dies and have no son, give his inheritance, somebody say to his daughter. All the daughters in the house, y'all need to shout to his daughters. Amen. Amen. To his, to his daughters. Man, I know that had to be shocking news from all the men. Said they weren't looking for that ruling to come back. They weren't looking for the judge to rule in favor of the plaintiff. They were going to say, hey, let him give it to his next of kin, to his cousin, to somebody else, his niece, his nephew, but not to his. The law was changed because of these women who just so happened to be correlated somehow to black hands. I thought that was interesting that the Bible said that, but every time I read that before, I never made that connection. I just assumed that they were somebody else. Now I read that passage in that text, and I have a new mindset. Not before it's making it right or wrong one way or the other, but now it lets me know that God had no problem blessing people that had skin pigmentation like mine. So that what people have told me over the years was wrong. And all I'm doing is saying from the Bible, they lie. And as a result of them lying, can you imagine how many people's lives were destroyed? based on that lie. Your children need to know the truth of God's word. They need to know that they fit into the narrative. And they need to start painting their own pictures when they read this word. I don't care what race you are. They need to, every race ought to be able to paint their own picture. Because we're all in God's book. But what I just want to do is to show you that God is not a respecter of persons. If you honor him, he will honor you. And he don't care what color you are. I said to you earlier, color is a man construct, not a God construct. 
Race is a man's construct. But when we read the Bible, we need to read it with clarity and understand that God will bless anybody who recognize him as God. As a true and living God. When he looked down at us, he don't look down to see people of different race, creeds, colors, and all that. He see his creation, mankind. And as a result, when mankind come to him, regardless of who they are, where they come from, how long they've been enslaved, they're all human beings to him and worthy of salvation. And so what happens is when we see now, we transition to the New Testament, there was laws that was in place that kept people from God. But then Jesus came and implemented a new law called grace. And that under grace now, we don't have to try to work our way to heaven. He put a new law in place. And now your works don't get you there. It is your faith in him that gets you there. And when you put your faith in him, regardless of who you are, where you come from, and how long you've been living, that same grace is available for all mankind. Amen? Give the Lord a hand cup of praise. Somebody shout, we're in the blessing. We are in the blessing. God did not forget about us. He did not leave us out. Amen? And we thank God for his word for continuing to show us exactly how he sees people regardless of their race, creed, color, or national origin. Amen? Every head bowed and every eye closed.